blessings and promises. Two, two words which bring forth lots of thoughts and images, memories. I mean, each of us could, could offer a word or two about blessings and, and promises. And, and throughout Scripture, we see these two words and, and all that they evoke, all that they bring to mind. And, and these two terms, I believe, capture the heart of our God and Father. Paul's letter to the Galatian church is written to encourage the church in its faith. It's a new church, there's new believers, and there's some believers who probably some se- there's some seasoning there. But yet when the hard corners of life arrive, when the challenges of, of life, when they, when, they, when they come to bear, there, there's some waffling. There's some questions. And, and so Paul writes this letter to encourage the church, and, and Paul reminds the church of the blessings which are found in the promises of God. And this morning we pick up in chapter 3, verse 6. And, and Paul begins, he begins where we left off last time. He, he starts, as Paul's writing this letter, He's writing this letter with some assumptions in mind. He knows that he's writing to a mixture of, of folks. He's got some folks who grew up in the synagogue who have now come to trust Jesus as Messiah. And so he knows they have a background with some language of the words of God and some, some history. They, there's some History, because these are Israelites, and so they're going to know some history, know some names like Abraham and Moses. And so when Paul writes this, he knows his audience. And he, and he also knows that there's going to be some Gentile believers, some, some Jewish Christians now who know some of these names because they have sat in synagogue and they've learned about some of these heroes of the faith. And, and then he knows he has some, some, some folks who've come to faith in Jesus that don't have that foundation of what God's Word has shared. And so Paul explains that, and there's times I feel like I have to explain Paul, but that's what the church calls its pastors to do. And, and so Paul, when he writes, he, sometimes he'll flash back, and sometimes he calls us to point forward to some things which he will actually come to share with the church at later times and later letters. But, but this morning, Paul, in encouraging the church, he points back to one of the fathers of the faith. He, he points to Abraham, and he says, Just as Abraham believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness. So Abraham, who is he? Well, he's the father of the nation of, of Israel, in essence. And, and we first meet Abraham way back in Genesis 12, Abram is from pagan background, from the land of the Chaldeans, and, and what the Lord says to Abram, he says, go from your country. Go from your relatives. Leave your father's house. And go to the land which I will show you. And then he says to Abraham, or Abram back then, <laughs> I will make you into a great nation. I will make you into a great nation, I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. 
all this greatness, you're going to actually do something with it. You're going to be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so Abram goes away as the Lord has spoken, and he's 75 years young when he leaves the land of Haran, and he takes his wife Sarah, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And, and the Lord appears to Abraham, Abram and, and says, To your descendants I will give all this land, because the Lord had said, If you look north, or you look west, or you look east, or you look south, and all of this, I'm going to give all this to your descendants. So Abram builds an altar and worships the Lord. And, and then some life things happen for a few chapters. And then in Genesis 15, the word of the Lord comes to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. God says it, so it must be so. <laughs> I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram, you know, he's not unlike some of us. He he's, can be a man with a plan, and he says, Lord, what will you give me? since I'm childless, and really the heir of my house is one of my servants, a man named Eleazar. Since you've given me no son, one who is from my, born in my house, one of my servants is going to be my heir. You know, Abram's figured it out. Well, the Lord tells Abram, well, this man's not going to be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Remember, he's 75 years young. And, and then what happens? God takes Abram outside, and he says, look toward the heavens, count the stars, if you're able to count them. And God says, so shall your descendants be. He's already told him about some promises. He already reaffirmed who he is to Abram. I'm a shield for you. And this is what I'm going to do. And Paul takes this one conversation from back in Genesis and he brings this forward to us this morning in Galatians chapter 3. That Abram believed in the Lord and the Lord credited it to Abram as righteousness. A right standing. Well then we flash forward to a book in the New Testament. A letter to a group of Hebrews. And we don't know the writer, but if you would, would go to the book of Hebrews, you'd go to chapter 11. And the writer describes some of the heroes of the Christian faith. And he writes this of Abraham, now known as Abraham. And the writer says, By faith, Abraham... When he was called, he obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he left. He didn't know where he was going. And we just saw that when it happened there in Genesis 12. And then the writer of Hebrews says, By faith, Abraham lived as a stranger in this land of promise. Remember, this is a, a promise that, that God has made to Abraham. It's a land of promise, but it's a foreign land. Abraham has been called to follow God to a land which God would show him. And then the writer says this, By faith, even Sarah herself, Abraham's wife who was unable to have children, she was barren. 
By faith, Sarah received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life. What a very nice way of saying, you know, Sarah was nearly 100 years of age. I mean, the factory should be closed by this point, if it was even open. And what happens? Sarah received the ability to conceive because she considered the Lord faithful. The Lord who had made this promise. And then the writer says this, Therefore, even from one man, talking about Abraham, and one who was as good as dead at that, I mean, everything should be biologically stopped by this time. Abraham's older than Sarah. Even so, there were born descendants who were just as the stars of heaven in number and as the innumerable grains of sand along the seashore. Wow! In essence, an entire nation would be born from a a man and a woman too old to biologically conceive. But Abraham believed that promise. And it was a promise that only God could, could, could fulfill. Only God could fulfill that promise. And see, Abraham's faith is reckoned to him, is given to him, is imputed to him as righteousness, a right standing before the, before the Lord. But it's his own faith. It's no one else's. And so what does that mean? Well, the nation born... From Abraham and Sarah, they're descendants from them. They're Israelites. They're the children of Abraham in terms of nationality and race. And in the same way which, which I'm part German and part Irish and part French, part Native American. I'm kind of a casserole, you know. Bloodlines. <laughs> Talk about bloodlines and and. and but you see, faith is something different. Information about faith belief, exposure to, to elements of, of faith, that can be passed down. We can pass that down. That's why we bring little ones to church. And we put them in the nursery and they begin to learn about things of the Christian faith at an early age. We bring them because we want to expose them to things of the faith. And that's why we do vacation Bible school. Information about faith and belief, elements of faith, exposure to these things, can be passed down. But faith in in something, faith itself, it's a choice. It's different. It's a choice. Faith is the choice of submitting one's belief in something or someone. It's making an active choice to believe in something, be it the kind of car you drive or the the kind of coffee you drink, the kind of guitar you play, or vows to one you marry. You see, faith is a choice, and, and, and it's not inherited any more than it can be demanded of someone. You can't make someone believe something. But see, this is a difficult thing to understand. And it's the exact same thing that I would tell someone regarding his or her own need for salvation. You see, mom and dad's decision to trust Jesus years ago, that's not going to cover my salvation. 
That's not going to do it. Every man and woman and boy and girl is responsible for addressing his or her own sin. And that's the problem. And see, that's what God's Word tells us. It, it, it identifies the reality of sin. And, and Jesus is the one that deals with sin. You see, faith has to be your own. In order to experience blessing and peace, the promise of blessing, the, the, faith has to be one's own. And Paul tells us this morning in Galatians, the very next verse. See, all that was one verse. <laughs> Pack a lunch, no. That all deals with just one verse, verse 6. But now that you see that and hear that and have, your on your, have that on your minds, verse 7, Paul says, Recognize, therefore, that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. Those who are of faith in what Jesus has done are the now sons of Abraham. It's not blood kin, but it's faith kin. It's not the same thing. I'm not blood kin. Some of you all are. I'm not. But the reality is, if we've come to understand the fact that we have a sin problem and Jesus is the one who has come to deal with sin and we have trusted in Jesus to to not just save our souls but to be Lord because you can't have one without the other. You've got to have Savior and Lord together. Then what happens once, if you've trusted in that and I've trusted in that, then guess what? We're We're not blood kin, but we're faith kin. We're the body of Christ. And Christ is in us, and, and we, are, we are faith kin. And what happens when all of us who have trusted in that righteousness of Jesus alone to give us that right standing before God, that righteousness, it's just as the case was with Abraham. And Paul says the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify all the Gentiles by faith, Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham. This was the gospel being preached to Abraham, this promise. All the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. What started way back in Genesis 12, that's why I took time to remind you of what God's Word says. In Genesis 12, that was not just a promise to Abraham, but that's a promise to all of us. Amen. It's a promise to all of us. What did the Lord tell Abraham? (laughs) In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's us. The blessing, the opportunity to, to, to have salvation from Jesus, the blessing of, of having a right relationship with God, a relationship of peace with God, having sins dealt with, Jesus paying our sin debt. Mm. And Paul says, for all who are of works of the law are under a curse, as it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law to do them. Paul brings up the law. 
Mm. Again, what is the law? Oh, it's the law of Moses. You have the Ten Commandments. You have morality laws. You have community laws. You have dietary laws. You've got all these laws, all, lots of at first odd-sounding stuff to us. All this stuff that's found in the first five books of the Old Testament. And it's all just heavy and it's all just intensive. But guess what? The law of Moses diagnoses the presence of the reality of sin. And whereas thinking about the works of the law makes us weary, the law points out the reality that God is holy and we are not. And the reality of sin. Sin is, is, is the result of man's broken relationship with God and this is why as weary as it may make us, this is why the law of God applies to all people throughout all of history. The law gives us statutes which counter these sins. The law is intensive. And, and we just read what Paul quoted. He, he said, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law to do them. Cursed, that's, con, that's a condemnation. Paul is saying, For all who are, are of the works of the law are under a curse. If one is trying to work the law in itself with, without understanding the need to surrender to Jesus, this, this is going to be a problem. And then I thought about it this way. Make it easy. Working under the law. That depends on me. If you're going to work the law, that depends on you. But see, trusting in what Jesus has done, guess who that depends on? Him. <laughs> and that's our main challenge. Why is it a challenge? I'll tell you. I've heard folks say the following, and you've heard them say it too. I just hope, I just hope I've, I've been good enough to make it to heaven. I just, I just hope I have. I, I hope I've done everything right. I hope I've been enough of this, or hope I've not done too much of that. And what happens... We're taking the credit to try to make it to heaven. We're not willing to surrender to Jesus. And the surrendering to Jesus, that's the challenge. Surrendering to Jesus in faith. And, and Paul says, now no, no one's justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous one will live by faith. And, and what Paul is doing, he's pointing back. I told you he flashes forward and flashes back. He's flashing back to a prophet in the Old Testament named Habakkuk. And Habakkuk wrote that the righteous would live by faith. And when Habakkuk says that, he's actually pointing to Abraham. What we just saw, that, that Abraham's faith is what leads to a right standing before God. That's the model 
we don't believe in Abraham. We, the model of Abraham trusting in the Lord, that's our model. And, 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 then, and then Paul highlights the relationship between the law and faith in another way. Look there at verse 12. He says, the law is not a faith. <laughs> On the contrary, the person who performs the law has to live by them. In essence, if you're going to follow the law, you've got to stick with it to the end. And to fail in one part of the law is going to, it means you're going to be condemned or cursed by all of it. You can't let one end of it slide. Oh, that's the challenge of the, of the law, trying to make it on one's own. Again, working, on the, working the law depends on me. Depends, if you're going to go the way of the law, it depends on you. And, but see, trusting in Jesus depends on Him. And this is great news. But some would say, well, we don't need the law. We scrapped the law. Well, we can't do that. Because, let me give you a word about Jesus and the law. Jesus and the law, they're connected. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said the following. Don't presume that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I, I didn't come to abolish them, but I came to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away. Has that happened? No. Until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke of a letter, not a consonant or a vowel, what that means, shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. You see, if you and I trust in Jesus to take care of sin, logic 101 here. It's kind of like when you walk out and you see water on the windshield, somebody's either washed your car, or it has just rained. <laughs> Logic 101. Here's what happens. If you and I are trusting in Jesus to take care of sin, then we are acknowledging Jesus, and we're acknowledging, guess what else? Sin. And sin is defined by the law of Moses. And sin is defined by the law, and given diagnosis by the law. And the law points to the cure for sin. The law in itself can't provide the cure. It can point to the cure, but not provide it. And it's got to be a sacrifice that pays the debt for sin. And Jesus is that full and final atoning sacrifice. You see, Jesus and the law, they're intertwined. The law doesn't pass away, regardless if we would prefer that it would. If one ignores the law, one in essence is ignoring Jesus. If we try to ignore the law, then we're ignoring Jesus. Jesus died for nothing if we ignore the law. But keeping the law doesn't save us. We respect God's law because we are saved. And, and the Lord communicates to His church through His Word. So this idea of how did Jesus fulfill the law, two more verses. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In those, in those laws, the community laws, they're, they're in the same manner as our civic laws today, in Deuteronomy, we see that if a person has committed a sin, a sin that would carry the sentence of death, 
and he's put to death, he's crucified, he's hung on a tree, he's hanged on a tree, his body is not to be left overnight, but you've got to bury that person on the same day because he who is hanged is cursed of God. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us. By bearing our curse of sin. And because Jesus bore the wrath of our sin, the opportunity for salvation is now available to all. Thanks be to God. And then Paul says this, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Through Jesus' death on the cross, the blessing of Abraham, this faith which leads to righteousness, a right standing, that blessing of faith would be available to not only Jews that would believe it, but to also us Gentiles. And, and we are able to receive the blessing of salvation and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, our help and our, our, our comfort by a faith in Jesus. We're able to receive all of that. Choo- choosing to have a faith in something that leads to righteousness. And it's a faith like Abraham had in God. We don't believe in Abraham, that that Abraham's not our salvation. But we believe like Abraham. Abraham trusted in God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Do we trust in what Jesus did for us? If we can do that, we are given righteousness. God fulfilled his promise to Abraham and God fulfills his promise to us. Blessings and promises. And that promised Holy Spirit, that down payment of our eternal hope, a faith which leads to a right standing, a righteousness before the Lord. Our salvation coming from a righteousness which covers us. That's good news. Thanks be to God the Father for giving us Jesus, a Savior to trust, and a Lord to obey.